Amen. Come on in. Uh, we're going to start off with some prayer. Um, so, yeah, let's go before our Father. Thank you so much, Father. Um, yeah, you're just on your throne right now, and you're ruling, reigning, you are the supreme above all. Um, and we just thank you for this very short amount of time we have together. Um, but we just ask that you um, would show us your way, God, um, and also just speak to us. Um, uh, encourage us where we're weak, um, give us vision where it's just kind of blurry, and... Um, and, yeah, would you just unify us with your spirit right now, God? Um, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, cool. Um, sweet. So we're going to talk about forming and preparing a team for long-term medical missions. Um, I first off, just want to say, you guys, like, made the trek. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> so I think you're already, like, good uh, preparing, starting, coming all the way up to the Worship Center 466, or 446, so. Um, one year yes, <laughs> that's awesome. So, so my name is David, um, I'm a doctor, finished residency just a little bit over a year ago. My wife, um, Rebecca, is also a physician, um, just finished residency last summer, and um, man, we're excited to go, um, And uh, but we're totally learning, all of us, <laughs> we're all learning. Um, and so, um, so yeah, I get to be one of the presenters, and then Nathan is um, well, a little bit further down the road than me, and um, I've actually learned a whole lot from Nathan, so I'll get to introduce him a little bit more later. Um, but, uh, so, forming preparing a team, um, long-term missions um, that's medical, but not just medical, um, that also plants churches. And, oh, this is tough. <laughs> this is so tough. So, um, pretty much every chance I get, I try to leave this country and uh, go somewhere else and um, just talk with, like, teams, um, missionaries, a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses, a lot of other medical people. Um, and, man, they're doing amazing work, aren't they? Um, they're, like, pouring out their lives, providing amazing, excellent medical care. Um, but, oh, how many times, like... Do we get to see a church planted, you know? Um, like maybe every now and then individual people come to know Jesus. Um, but um, is there a way that we could each be a part of this? Um, seeing an indigenous church uh, planted that thrives, even grows, multiplies. Um, so reproducing churches, not just like a brick and mortar pews and pastor, um, but like, you know, vibrant people gathering around God's word, learning, growing, um, and obeying what Jesus says. So that's what we're going for. Um, and I just kind of want to ask you guys, what, what is your long-term goal? What are you after? Um, like, this is kind of one of the questions of the session is, um, do you want to vaccinate as many Muslim children in whatever country you want to go to um, and try to help in that way? Are you wanting to, you know, start this mega amazing hospital somewhere? Are you wanting to, what are you wanting to do? Um, I'm sure each of us can put into words somewhat what we have planned and hoped. Um, So are you wanting to do that or... Are you wanting to launch um, communities that multiply 
reproducing disciples. Someone meets Jesus, and they can't help but tell their friends, their family. And their friends and family actually come to know Jesus too. And they're studying the scriptures, and, and they're discussing, and they're growing. They're like, what, um, what are we after, you know? Are we wanting that? Because um, it's possible to have one without the other. Um, but could it be possible to do both together? Um, and, oh, that would be great, right? Uh, global medical missions. Um, and so, yes, let's do it, right? That's why you guys are here in this session, I think. So, um, uh, yeah, so I've actually been to this hospital um, and many, many others. So this is just one example of, like, um, a group that wants to do this. They want to see a church planted. And they've gotten to see individuals come to know Jesus, but they haven't gotten to see church planted and multiplied and grown and established by the local people. Um, and I'm actually, I, I think very, very highly of this unique hospital um, in the Middle East that um, treats a lot of different um, people, and their and they're, they're point, like their vision is set, and they're, they're, someone came to them one time and was like, hey, we're going to like build an ER for you, and we'll pay for everything, you know? And they're like, mm, no thanks. Um, they're like, no, no, that's sorry, sorry. Like, we will pay for it. And they're like, no thanks. Like, that's not our vision. That's not what we're going for, you know? Um, and so it's this really good group, um, and there's a lot of others. This is one example that was chosen. Um, but, like, they still haven't seen the church planet, you know? And it's like, ah, okay, us that are going out, like, is there something that we could do? And again, I'm totally learning here. I don't got to figure it out at all. Um, but just kind of asking the questions. Um, and so, so do you want to treat 5,000 TB patients um, among the Bedouin of the Middle East? Or do you want to try to establish reproducing Jesus communities in the desert that bring the kingdom's blessing to all Bedouins um, who then become the hands of Jesus to their friends and neighbors. Um, and so, yeah, so what is your ultimate goal? Um, and so, awesome. So I think I'll kick it over to Nathan. I learned a lot from this man because of Jesus and Jesus' imprint on his heart. And so, yeah, really excited to have Nathan um, share. And All right, here we go. Thank you, bro. Um, my... My claim to fame is basically that I have children that know a little bit about medicine. I can't spell it, but um, somehow my kids have managed to do it. This is my one of my daughters, and she was in Bach Hospital. Any of you know Bach Hospital? Ah, you do. And she was there during the time that Osama bin Laden was uh, on the loose. And she actually believes that she and the staff delivered one of his babies before, of course, he was caught. This is another great example of a hospital that has had a tremendous vision to reach Pakistan. And what a needy place. But they have yet to be able to figure out how to launch churches where the body of Christ begins to grow and multiply so that they can take over this work and, of course, be so much more effective. I was in a country which will remain quiet for now where there was a Swedish hospital, clinic, no, clinic, uh, church, and school. 
and they've been there for several decades, I think. Multiple millions of dollars had gone into this, and in the course of all those years, they had planted a church. And it was you know, somewhat strong, although it was totally led by the foreigners, and it still had not developed any way to reach out and start other churches and other clinics and other schools. And then in the same place, the local church got a vision for planting, reproducing churches. And within about 10 years, they had not only reached thousands of Muslims, but had started 98 schools. Most of them went all the way to 12th grade. And the schools were so good that the government was coming in and saying, we'll now fund them. You've been using you know, poles and tin roof. We're now build buildings and we'll start paying the, the teachers. But if we can get the church to start growing, if we can get the church planted and the DNA of the kingdom inside those churches, they will do the things that we can do poorly much, much better and much faster. So there's two different ways we can do that. This is a, a wonderful provision of a dental chair. Uh, when I, This is about 10 years old, but it was modern, state-of-the-art uh, equipment at the time. But all run by foreign doctors in the Middle East doing a great job, but it could only do what we foreigners could do in that vehicle. Compared with... Now, let me tell you this story in a different way. Um, about um, about a dozen years ago, a guy named Shadanke Johnson. Any of you know Shadanke Johnson? Oh my, we got to get him to this conference. He's the uh, Apostle Paul of Africa, from my experience. Shadanke Johnson came over and met a dentist from Michigan and said, "I would like you to come to my country, Sierra Leone, and train my top church planters." in dental work. And I'd like you to do it in two weeks. (laughs) And the guy said, you know, it took me seven years. No, but I want you to train them as much as you can in two weeks. And so this, I know you're laughing, but this is exactly what happened. This is one of the products. He came over, figured it out, brought one of Nate uh, Saint's uh, mobile dental chairs that you'll see in the fellowship hall. Uh, brought them over and trained. Now, these weren't just six nationals. He trained the six young men and women that had proved themselves as effective evangelists and church planners. They just didn't have a way to get them out where the need was greatest. So this dentist came in and trained these guys, and then they were able to sling their solar-powered chair, fold it up, sling it over their shoulder, and take the next taxi, which was a motorbike, literally like this, and then they could go all the way up into the what we know as the Boko Haram area where you and I would not be safe up there, uh, wouldn't be wanted either, and wouldn't be listened to. But these guys could go and set up these mobile uh, solar dental chairs and start providing. They could give anesthesia, do extractions, and basic fillings. Now, I don't know how much you'd want them in your mouth with two weeks of training. But listen, if you've killed every single dentist in the whole area, you'd be glad for this guy to come and work on your teeth. It is. But here's the most amazing part. Those guys were so effective 
that I'm interviewing Shadanke and I asked him, I said, Shadanke, you just told me about one church that they planted. Was there more? And this is exactly what Shadanke said. A lot of them. This year, the year under review, we have more than 30 churches planted by dentists and some of the medical guys. Six dentists. And I met one medical guy. More than 30 churches planted, and these are in Muslim communities. Now, that's only 30. That's not 30 million. But this is the potential. If you use your medical skills to equip these amazing national church planters who are thinking movements, you can bring a radical change to a country. This particular country of Sri alone was run by a Muslim hooligan and led the country into a civil war. Any of you have seen the movie Blood Diamonds? Yeah, any of you? It's gory, but it's based on some historical fact because there were a lot of amputations. There are whole communities that are basically people with one arm or one leg. Basically, if you had something, they smashed it or cut it off or demolished it. And during that time... It was just anarchy that reigned in the country. But God's kingdom has come in and started planting churches after churches, all house churches, all with the DNA of obedience to the kingdom of God, all with the DNA that we share what we learn. We don't just... Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you heard a sermon in the last week or two on a, from a church service? Wow, you all go to church. That's amazing. Okay. How many of you are right now, this week, working to obey something that you were challenged to do from that pulpit the last time you heard preaching? A few of you actually, are, you're working on it now. What was it? So, first plenary session. Was okay, I'm not talking about plenary. <laughs> Listen, don't ruin my method, my <laughs> illustration. I'm talking about church service. How many of you have been in a church, I'm sorry, church service where you came away and you said, okay, I have something that I've been challenged to do and I'm working to obey it? A few of you have. Okay, now my next question is, when you go back to church next week, how many of you will be challenged as to how well you did obeying what God challenged you to do the week before? Now think about that. Isn't that strange? We, we know that the church is to make us Christ-like. We know that we have become followers of Jesus. I, I generally call myself a follower of Jesus rather than a Christian because well, you know what Christian means in some societies. But are we actually learning to follow him? Are our are our sodalities, the churches, meant, meant to help us become more like him? No, but in these movements, they are. And so you've got people who are killing each other the night before, and they come together and they study the scriptures, maybe the Sermon on the Mount, and they decide, wait a minute, I'm not even supposed to be angry with somebody, let alone kill them. And they decide, how am I going to obey this? And it comes out in actual actions of obedience. And when they get back together the next time, they talk about it. How did you do? This country changed so much that the next president was a Christian. Then the whole government changed. 
In fact, Shadanke was going to run for president in 2017, but a lot, number of people talked him out of it. Um, here's Shadanke. I, I hope this volume works. He's, I'm interviewing him, and he's telling me something that I want you really to hear. I said, uh, well, there is a recording, but it's not. ...of your people, and, and he's constantly training them and sending them out. Okay, let me try I'm telling you that one... That hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's hear this again. You, you can hear it a little bit, but you can also read it. So what if it, an optometrist came and lived with you for 10 years and he just trained lots of your people and, and he's constantly training them and sending them out? I'm, I'm telling you that one, that would be... I don't know, that would be... It would be what I call it, really a tsunami. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just stop there. The rest of what he says is, well, it didn't stop. Okay, let's hear him. We could be young for a Yes. We could be young for a year. And the ripple effects of the cells all over Africa, I mean, definitely in most countries. The generational touch of whatever trend we invent, we really invent. It's going to be a movement. It's a cracking movement, not only in favor of Fabi, but one of the Now, my point I want you to hear is, I'm not kidding when I say this guy is the Apostle Paul Africa. I, I know a lot of great uh, mission leaders in Africa, and he's one of the greatest. I mean, him and his organization, some of you know City Team, now it's called New Generations. I mean, look at the number of churches they have planted amongst Muslims in Africa. But he's saying, if some of you would say, I'll go for 10 years or longer, and not just train them for two weeks, but I'll be there to mentor these rural doctors, rural dentists, rural whatever, I'll be there to mentor them so that they can go out with the physical good deeds of the kingdom as well as the message of the kingdom. This could be a spiritual tsunami. Anybody want to sign up for this? I, I hope you do. Now, if God's not calling you to plant churches and he's calling you to only do medical work, then you need to obey him. But if you're here, it may be that God's calling you to see something more than just healing people physically. We want to do both. These are some of the many churches that we visited when we were there. You wouldn't call these you know, mega churches by any means, although every one of them there is, is a wonderfully born-again Muslim convert. I mean, these people were all Muslims a year before. And here they are worshiping Jesus. This, This is... These figures now are 12 years old or so. Yeah, well, no, nine years old. These are Muslim people groups. Look at the number of churches in each one. And I know those are much higher today. This was just the last time I was there. So this is not converts. These are churches. churches. Okay, and this is a huge difference because a church that is obeying the scriptures and sharing the scriptures regularly the other question they always ask is, who else needs to hear the story that we just discussed today? And they make a list and then they decide who you're going to tell. And when you come back next week, you don't only ask, how did you do obeying? You also ask, how did it go telling your aunt or your cousin or your neighbor what you heard? So these churches are actually multiplying. So it's not just Christians that have found their ticket to heaven. These are ambassadors of Jesus Christ in community that are reproducing. And 
what's happened is what this little country of Sierra Leone that went on the map with uh, Ebola is now migrating into the western part of Africa. They're sending workers up into Nigeria that are seeing more fruit. Uh, the other day we were on a call with some of these African leaders and we were talking about the Hausa of um, Mali. And he said, well, you know, amongst our people, the discussion now is whether the Hausa are unengaged and uh, unreached anymore. Did you hear what I just said? One time when I shared this in a perspectives class, there was a guy that jumped up like he had just been shot with electricity. And later on he told me, he says, I used to work amongst the Hausa. He wasn't that old. He says, there was nobody back then. And now there are so many Hausa believers that the workers there are debating whether we should take it off of the unreached list. There's at least 2% of Muslim Hausa that are in the kingdom of God. Guys, this is something to say hallelujah about, even if you aren't charismatic. (laughs) The kingdom is definitely winning. Now, I want to introduce you to somebody that has caught this vision and is actually doing it in the medical world that I don't understand. Uh, I just want you to tell you, when I met this young man, um, I was actually sitting in one of these side rooms and I looked down and I saw this. I thought he was a teenage kid. But what was strange was that he was sitting with these middle-aged, very sophisticated doctors. I knew some of them. And it looked like he was the life of the party. And it turned out to be John McVeigh's son, and he's here with us today. So I want him to tell you how he's planning to take this idea and live it out on the field. Thank you, Nathan. I I think I still look like a teenage kid, but... um, Around it's a little too long, but um, but again, yeah, I really don't know um, much. Like, are still totally training, learning. Like all of us, we're just learning together, right? Um, and there are actually some people in this room that um, are actually legit uh, <laughs> church planters, and so at least. Um, but even they, I think, if they were in, right here, you guys would say you're learning too. Um, like we're all just learning forever, the rest of our lives. So, but um, okay, so let's go. So. Um, Here's essentially what I've been dreaming of um, because of the years of coming to GMHC, discussing with people. There's a group called Priority 15. Here I'll, I'll invite you to that later. Um, and just, just like dreaming, you know? Um, like, how, how could it happen? Um, okay, I finally became a doctor. <laughs> All right. How could it happen that the Lord would use someone like me or us um, to really be a part of um, helping a local disciple of Jesus I get into the homes and get into the communities and really plant churches because they're going to do it. We're not going to do it. Um, they are going to be the ones who do it. And um, sorry, I lost the. Oh, it's right here. Okay, cool. Um, and so uh, let's see. Is this? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so. Um, so essentially, here's our game plan, is that we're going to show up in a place, um, and we're going to just ask, uh, we're going to learn the language first, okay, um, build local relationships, and then um, we're going to start training the people from a ground level up, okay, and so with just general 
blood pressure, blood sugar, like take non-medical people who are passionate about Jesus um, and give them the tools to get into the homes of their Muslim neighbors um, and and start sharing Jesus stories and sharing more and more. And then, and then they can even choose which homes to go back to more. Um, and then... Um, and then over the course of time, like trusting that as they hear stories of Jesus, they're going to want him and want to fall in love with him. Um, and then churches will be planted and leaders will be trained. Um, but medically, whatever you got, like you are already probably overtrained um, to be able to do this kind of work. And so it definitely takes humility, right? It takes like a lowering of your amazing medical skills. My wife loves OB. She did a, a year of OB training. Like she would love to go and do, you know, amazing high risk OB and C-sections. Um, but is that a skill that we could train a local person who could then go and share the gospel with? Um, maybe with graduated levels of training, they could. Um, but what's the goal, right? They've got to get back to that original question. Um, and so, yeah, anyways, so there's other people that are doing this. And um, and so just kind of want to invite you guys um, to consider orienting your life um, to this idea. And so, anyways, we're, we're going to start with community health training and then um, kind of take the cream of the crop of those people. And probably do more like a we're primary care doctors, so just like a simple primary care clinic. Um, and so, yeah, last time we were in Egypt this May, I just pretty much asked every person I could find, like, could this work? You know, um, doctors, not non-medical people, nurse, everyone I could find, and um, they were all like, yeah, that'd be great, because <laughs> um, all these countries, you can go to the pharmacy, and what can you do? Do you need a script? Heck no! You can get a shot of Recephin. Show me your arm. <laughs> you know? And I, I, I'm not trained at all, you know? And that might lead to an abscess or whatever. But, um, so like, if, if someone comes to, so let's imagine you are a local, um, person, you're a father, you have family or whatever, okay? So, um, now I'm a local dude. And so I knock on your door, okay? And you're like, you know, salam alaikum. I say, alaikum salam. And um, we're chit-chatting or whatever. And, and, uh, and you learn that I'm like um, trained by a, a Western physician in um, the authority of the local government. Um, and I'm here to, you know, provide good health to your family. And I can check blood pressures, blood sugars. I can, um, you know, if someone has a UTI, I got a dipstick. Anything I fit in my backpack... I, it works, you know. I have a butterfly ultrasound, and we can train them with that eventually. And so, like, this is totally stuff that we can do and train them with. And um, and then they're like, oh, yeah, sure. And, oh, actually, oh, this is an interesting case. Like, I don't know what this is. Let me take a picture. Let me do a video. I'll call the doctor on call um, and, like, chat through the case with him. Like, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? And, like, almost everyone has a cell phone nowadays, even in the boondocks. Like, they might not have electricity, but they got cell phones. Um, well, I mean, you know, that's have some of Anyways, um, so uh, it's possible. It's possible, isn't it? Um, and so, like, why not, you know? 
It takes humility on us to lower our level of training, really, um, and build these other local disciples, local leaders up. Um, and then it also takes especially a spiritual humility to let these people plant churches <laughs> where we just say, the Holy Spirit's in you, dude. Go! <laughs> and, like, I'm here to mentor you. I'm here to coach you or whatever. Um, but, like, you got God, you know? Like, and so it's a both, a medical and a spiritual trust that grows with time. Um, and then also a humility needed on our part, really. Um, so, okay, back to Nathan. You also, you also need to take your medicine with you. Please don't leave that. Um, I was with somebody medically trained in, I think we were actually in northern Sudan. We'd come through, through southern Sudan. We were up into the Nuba Mountains in, amongst the rebels. And there was a guy with us who limped very badly the whole time. And finally he explained to me that they'd given him uh, some kind of a drug that had been expired. And then later on the doctor said, no, it wasn't that. It's the person who gave it to him and never been trained how to give a shot. And I don't know what I'm talking about here, but it, the, the actual needle is what caused the damage. You, you doctors, you know what that's talking about. But we definitely need the the medical skills as well. When God created this world, he created it as a place where he can live amongst us here. And he's doing everything he can to make this world better. Yes, he's going to come again and do a lot of redecorating of this whole world and, and then the full extent of the kingdom is going to come. But now, right now, the gospel of the kingdom is that the king wants to live amongst us and to make this world better and make it like he designed it. And that includes your medical skills. So please don't give up your medical skills just to share the message. It has to be your hands doing as well. I, what breaks my heart, though, is how many people like this precious doctor have given their lives, oh my word, in the most dangerous of places. But all they've been able to do is to go from early morning until late at night and just give relief medically. And what they long for is to see baptisms and churches planted and they would love to see this kind of thing happen. And I just want to let you know that you can do both. But it's going to take strategy and focus. And I think maybe that's the issue that's, that's missing. We, we've got to stay focused that our goal is bigger than just solving their temporary physical needs if we want to see this kind of thing. This is a literal picture. Uh, David Hunt, who took, had this picture taken, told me, he says, I don't know how many times I've stood on the bank of a river in the Horn of Africa and watched this kind of procession. Most of these Muslims. Don't you want to be a part of this? Maybe you won't be, and that's fine. The fact that you want to be a part of that is what pleases God. Amen. Can I say that again? Some of you may not be able to see this. I haven't. And I, I long to see this. And God, for some reason, has said, no, not you, Nathan. He said that through Nathan the prophet to David. Not you, David. You're not going to build the temple. You're not going to build this house for the Gentiles to worship God. But through his son, God said, 
But it, the fact that David wanted to was a good thing. And, and maybe that's all you'll get to do is God will say, the fact that you wanted to see this happen and you were focused on this, well done, good and faithful servant. That's enough for me. But let's try for this. Okay, so how does one form and prepare a team for long-term health care missions? That launches movements, both. That's what we're here for. There's no way that I can give you everything. So I've tried to figure out what would be a few things that I would really want you to take away. And I, I'll get home and I'll probably think, oh my, Nathan, that wasn't the best thing, but this is what you're going to get. There needs to be a champion. The, the champion is the person that says, we're going to keep these two things the most important. We're going to make sure that we're doing movements well and medicine well. And, and we're blood earnest about this. And then this champion finds a team, he draws or she draws a team around them that says the same thing. We're going to be blood earnest about movements and medical attention. Now, what would this champion do? These are five what I would call neglected areas. I say this neglected because the sodality, sodality is the church structures, The church has done a really good job of many of the other things that you need when you go to the field. But the modality, which is the extra church activities, think of it this way. The sodality says, if you're alive and breathing, you can come and be a part of us. Sinner, saint, come and you can be a part of our church. The the modality, the the sodality, the the, uh, sending part says, you have to be of a certain quality before we will send you to the nations. You understand that? And there, that's a real difference. And that's why I got myself into big problems as a pastor because I was doing both, sodality and modality, and that was very confusing for our people. But if you're, let's take for granted that the church has done, that the sodality or modality, the church has done its job well of handling yours, your spiritual issues and handling your marriage issues and developing the kind of resilience you'll need and learning some things about uh, culture and stuff like that. What are the things that the church is not preparing you? And this is going to sound very basic, but I think this is where we've got to start. I, I, I wish I could go on for hours on this topic Christianity has produced people who like Jesus. We have not produced people who are nuts about Jesus. And until you are nuts about him, you're going to go as a salesman or saleswoman and you're going to get burnt out. But if you are really nuts about Jesus, you will be gossiping about him. You will be talking about him from deep within your passions And what happens is, when you share what you're passionate about, you can tell it in my voice right now, when you share what you're passionate about, it's life-giving. And I want people to go who are so deeply impressed and intrigued with Jesus that it's just their delight to talk about him. Now, how we do this, I'm sure there's other ways, but I just wanted to leave you this one thought. I'm sorry... Um, 
what intrigues me about Jesus, we ask our interns to regularly soak themselves in the stories of Jesus, the gospel text, and ask, why am I so drawn to this Jesus? Now, please don't think of this as a Sunday school lesson, because this is, this is 400 level courses I'm talking here. This is PhD stuff. This is so important that we have got to find Jesus intriguing in lots of different ways. If I ask the average church, what do you really love about Jesus? I'll hear benign words like, I know they don't, they shouldn't be benign, but they'll be generalized. He's loving, he's good, or he died for my sins. And I want to say, Okay, he did die for our sins, but what else about this God coming in the flesh is so intriguing? And there are many, many things, but you've got to stay long enough in the text for them to smack you until you realize, oh my, I'll just grab one out of the air right now. Um, the woman who's caught in adultery and comes to Jesus and it says, the last thing Jesus says to her is, go and sin no more. Remember that? But what does he say before that? Who said that? Neither do I condemn. Have you learned to be non-condemning but judge? I'm learning. I want to get that way. Jesus was able to call something sin, but not give the sense of condemnation. Do you know how good our kids would be if we parents could give judgment to our children without condemning them? Do you know how good teams would be if team leaders could give judgment statements without condemnation? If we could be like Jesus. Now, was Jesus successful at that? Absolutely. Because those harlots and the worst of sinners, the NLT translates Luke 15.1, tax collectors and notorious sinners were always coming to Jesus to hear him teach. (laughs) Just got to sit with that for a while until it soaks in. The worst of people would come to somebody who called a spade a spade. It's not good enough that you don't commit adultery. I don't want you lusting. Talk about Jesus' commandments. I mean, they are very, very high standard. And yet, these worst of sinners would always come and be around him. Why? Because he didn't condemn them. He would judge them, go and sin no more, Wouldn't you love to follow a king like that? And that's what you're trying to ask your Muslim people. Don't you want to follow a king like that? I remember once asking one of my dear Muslim friends, would you like to spend all day with Muhammad? He said, no. And I knew why he was saying that, because he would feel so condemned. But we know from history that this Jesus that we call the Christ, who is the very Son of God, was so non-condemning that people loved to be around him. So, find these ways, and there's so many of them, that intrigue you about Jesus, and learn to talk about them. Because they will become not only your form of witness, but they'll also become your soul food. You need to do this for your own soul. That's another whole topic. And then, the other thing is, I would say the team leader needs to help the team learn these Jesus stories. That doesn't mean you learn them word for word, but it does mean you learn them well and you learn to tell stories so that your repertoire of storytelling about all of the story, what I call the story of everything, which is the story of the Bible, 
you can pull those stories out, whatever the situation is, and tell those stories. So that's one way to help us keep our, our flame passionate for Jesus. Now, this may seem like a strange thing to throw in here, but if we're honest, I still think most teams are leaving the field early because they have not learned communication skills. You know, we'll come home and we'll say, well, my kids didn't fit in school and, uh, you know, I didn't quite make enough money to support myself. Yeah, but what underlying it is, there's conflict between members on the team. The enemy of peace is still destroying God's servants. And so I just want to put in a plug for making sure that this lasts. These are two of my interns from about 10 years ago. They're both in the Middle East now, and they are doing so well. They were best friends in college, and then when they got married, the couples became pretty good friends, and then they came to my TOAG, and one of their concerns was... We know that you know, your best friend in high school doesn't always make a good college roommate, and we're not sure if we're going to make it on the field. And so we had to really work on this. But I'll tell you today, not only are they still on the field, but now each of them has a parent and other siblings on the team with them. So they are a three-generational three family serving in a Muslim world. You just couldn't ask for a better situation. And there's real love on this team. I visited them on the field and it's very healthy. Now, I'm not saying this is the solution, but I'm saying this, that if you don't have a good communication tool that is embraced by the whole team, then when you need to have conversations early on, you're not going to do well and those little things are going to multiply until it becomes something that requires peacemaking. Peacemaking is too late in the game. We need something when you know, our kids come into the group team meeting and they regularly shout louder than our kids. Our, our neighbor's kids are always shouting. And so we're thinking, man, we're trying to give a witness to our neighbors around us, but these team kids come in and they're so rowdy. And at first, you can overlook that. But three months later, when it's still happening, every time they're it begins to really irritate you. And if you haven't learned good communication skills for those simple little things, that will add to, man, you don't keep your houses clean enough for this Muslim society. And you're not learning the language well enough. And, and you're not sharing the gospel often enough. And before you know it, you've got so many, so many broken issues in the relationship that it's hard to stay together. So I plead with teams, find something like this. I think this is probably the best tool out. Um, the reason I say that is it's used by Fortune 500 companies, and they don't waste their money. They invest millions in training their people in this, and it's very, very usable. You'll, even though you don't like the Mormon authors, you will like the fact that they are somewhat influenced by our Bible, and so the principles are really good. But it's a tool that you can use. I would plead with you, team leader, make sure that all of your team knows this inside and out and agrees together that this is how we're going to solve issues when they come up, and they will. You all hear me? Don't go without some kind of an agreement because you may be the best team out there, but if you can't get along, it'll be hard. 
All right. And then I think we need lots of experience here in America sharing Jesus with internationals before we ever go. Uh, our founder used to say that you need at least a thousand hours, a hundred hours of one, face-to-face time. I think you need more than that. But sharing the gospel here so that you learn to get over our fear of the gospel so that when you hit the streets uh, overseas, you feel really comfortable at it. So I would say that if you want to form a team that's going to really launch movements and do medical, before you go, make sure that all of them have worked through the scars of American evangelism, have broken free and are now gossiping about Jesus because they are deeply in love with him. And then you're ready to go to the field. Uh, I won't take time to do this, but I plead with you to get away from our sin management gospel that has been endemic in the West and return to the gospel of the kingdom. And this is just a simple way to um, share it with Muslims. It's I would I very seldom use this whole tool, but it's the it's the thread of the story that I want to cover. And I just want to show you the main thing is we in the West have emphasized the crimson thread throughout Scripture, but we have totally forgotten the kingdom thread that runs all the way from the beginning. The creation story is the story of a king who's established his kingdom called this earth and this universe and his people are us that he deeply loves and he wants us to be blessed so we can rescue the rest of the world and reign with him to bring all the goodness of his kingdom to this earth. If we don't include that part of our message, then when we get to the place where people are accepting Jesus as the savior, as the lamb that of God who takes away the sin of the world, they think, good, I've got what I wanted, I ticket to heaven, I'm done. And we might say, no, wait a minute, this whole thing is for you to join him in bringing the rest of his rescue to this world. So, if you're interested in this, you can, uh, I'll give you my email address and I'll send you a document that could go through it. But, for the sake of time, because I want to give some more time to John as well. Uh, champions help the team digest and imbibe DBM or DMM or some kind of movement thinking. Um, I know there's some bad press about this. Please don't believe that bad press. Almost everybody that's knocking movements really doesn't know what's going on. Even people who claim they've been working with movements and are against it, if you listen to what they're saying, you just shake your head and say, that is not what's happening in most of these movements. You might have seen one movement and it probably was yours and you got it wrong, but... There's so many of these movements that are going on and God is just bringing in the fold of flocks. But it's the difference is, what are we doing that's transferable? How are we doing everything so that they can do it tomorrow without us? And books like this will really help. So I would say that the team leader, the champion, has to make sure that this DNA is soundly into the thinking of the team. And then, don't just count your exposure here. Once you get your team on the field, make sure you get training regularly throughout the next couple of years. Most most of the guys that are really effective in DMM, I hear this over and over again, had to take the DMM training or the CPM training multiple times before they really got it. Because we are so wired to do things the way that we've been raised up in churches. And these churches that we've been raised up in are good, but they aren't reproducing. 
Very few of them are. And so you need as the champion to make sure your team is constantly getting this DNA into their system. And then if you don't get the right agency, you'll never be free enough to do movements. And I know this is uh, painful. I talked with somebody this morning who was, yeah, no, it was my roommate last night, was saying that um, he remembers a doctor deciding he was going to go away for one week into the hinterlands to do research on what was really needed where the people were living. And this is what he had to decide. I will have to let some people die so that I can go and learn how to save more people in the future. And I thought, Oh my, that's what you guys are going to face. You will go with your medical skills and you will just be gobbled up with solving medical problems that nobody else can solve. And if you don't have an agency that's going to protect you and guard you and help you to focus your energies on both, I'm afraid you will just get sucked up and you'll be doing 60, 80, 100 hours a week of medicine and never have time to help train or promote or catalyze movements. So the agency that you choose is very, very important. I'm going to give you four agencies that I think may be here. I think I saw some of them. I know there are others, but I don't want to promote agencies that I'm not sure will do this. But I do know that pioneers beyond all nations and frontiers will. So you want to write those down. I know those four will. Beyond all nations, pioneers, and frontiers. If you already have a team that you've pulled together, probably your best choice is frontiers if you're going to the Muslim world. And I'm not saying that just because I'm part-time with frontiers. I'm saying that because frontiers has established what they call a church-based teams department. And the foundation I work for has tried to promote this idea in many other agencies. The way that they run their teams makes it very difficult and it just hasn't taken off. But this is just one of many examples where we train whole teams who go as a team here from the States and go over as a team to launch movements and you can do it in a medical context. And Frontiers would really love to help you do that. Now, very quickly. Real quick. Pioneers is here. Their exhibit 2001. Uh, Frontiers is here. And they're downstairs at exhibit 1808. The other two are not here. Yet. All Nations is not here? Is not here. Beyond, Beyond is not here. Not yet. Maybe next year. Okay. Send more people next year. All right. And, and I know that there are others. I just, I just want to make sure... I know there are other agencies that definitely believe in helping you to do movements, but I also know too many sad stories where the agency has not protected their missionaries and and guarded them and helped them and supported them to say, no, I'm going to have to let some people die if I'm going to start a movement that will save millions. That's what it amounts to. I'm sorry to say it that way. but Okay, now you could also take your team through something like we used to call it TOAG. Now it's morphed into launch. But you could run it on your own. We could give you some simple training materials. But here's the interesting thing about it. It's not a lot of reading. It's not a lot of desk, desk uh, you know, head talking. Maybe a couple hours of, of reading and recording and responding. And then a couple hours of training is all we're asking for. Most of it 
is in your own spiritual disciplines and living on mission in community. This is the thing that's making the difference on the field. If we can learn to be on mission now, we can live on mission when we get to the field. So if, if you're interested, there's my email address, and I'll be glad to... It's a big it's a big deal. This is not simple, but I, I just didn't see him here a minute, but Jason is here. Jason, you were in residency as a surgeon, and you led a TOAG. And he's still sane, and he's got a wife and four lovely kids. So he, Okay, okay, but still, I, I mean, there's not many people insane like him, but there are some of you that can do that, and, and if you want to, there'd be a talk to you. The new name is Launch Global. Launch Global. They do. The difference between Launch Global is that you have to go and they train you. TOAG, I can give you the materials we have. We finally have it better than when poor Jason went through it. And uh, you can fight your way through it on your own. It's mostly living on community, living on mission together in community. Okay, now I want to turn you back over to somebody who's actually trying to do it and tell us a little bit more about your plan. Yeah, no, I just can't stress enough the agency idea. I haven't actually gone, but I've had to say no to a lot of agencies with the vision of, hey, I already am a doctor. I don't need more help being a doctor. You know, I've had... 11 years of training there, right? But I do need accountability and training in regard to disciple-making movements and planning churches, and that's just what that's what we need, you know? Um, and so, uh, okay, cool. So, um, also, speaking about living in community, um, this is my community in Tulsa, and, um, man, it's a blast! So, we're trying to, once a weekend, get together, and um, it was amazing really neat Afghan refugees showed up in our city, and so it's just been great, um, and so, yeah, we're just trying to share the gospel with them, um, one of my friends uh, just gave one of them a Bible, and she was super excited to read it, um, like, in her language, and she can't speak English yet, but she can read a Bible in her language, um, and so, yeah, it's just a wonderful thing um, to live it out now, right? Um, but again, that's taking prioritization, and so I've decided, like, you know, we could do a small group where we get together and go through some kind of book study or whatever with all of our American buddies, and it'd be fun. Or we could do a small group where we're just gung-ho for those the unreached that are in our city. And, like, you know, I'd, why not do that? You know, And so we just show up and... Uh, this is great. It's such a life-giving thing, and uh, we're all just really excited to learn together. Um, and so, yeah, and then, um, man, this is just a quick story from a translator that I worked with. Um, a rotation of residency, my wife um, uh, and I both had a rotation together, and so we had to work in the hospital. Um, but the one time that we got to visit our translator's home, like, he was, oh, out of the roof excited to have us in his home. And, like, we got to share Jesus stories with him. And, like, it was so much, I mean, we got to meet his random cousin and understand a little bit more his family structure. Like, let's get to the homes, guys. Let's not be sitting in our cement boxes, okay? I think you guys are there. Um, so, and then let's do it together. Um, and let's choose an agency that's going to protect, like Nathan said, but not just protect, but propel us and push us that this is what we should be doing. Um, and, and honestly, I don't 
don't want to be that doctor that has to decide with these people dying or me have me training others. You know, I, I don't want to be that doctor. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Um, but uh, it just doesn't have to be that way. Okay, real quick, me invite. Some of you guys have already heard this before, so I'm sorry. Um, but uh, there's a group of us that are meeting online. So it's a goer cohort. This is for people that are going long-term to the unreached within the next five years. You actually don't even have to be medical, um, but most of us are. Um, and so um, it's not just for those checking out. Like, this is really... Um, very serious um, people that are like, I'm going to go long-term career missionary. And um, and so, yeah, we meet every uh, two months on Zoom for two hours. We get to hear from active missionaries that are trying to do this long-term missions life, as well as um, plant churches. Um, and we get to pray, get to know each other. We memorize and study scriptures about the nations. You have a question? Yeah, it's six years for that work. Oh, Give back to me next year. Next year, okay? I'm I'm the bouncer in this group, okay? But um, next year, next year. Okay, we'll bring you next year, okay? Um, And so, yeah. um, So, and then we practice Jesus stories um, as well. And so, again, like, we can have the head knowledge, but it's until you're actually in a community practicing doing it that it becomes yours, you know? It just does. Um... You may be graduated from med school, but it's not until intern year that you're actually a doctor, right? <laughs> um, okay, and then um, also a huge part of it is that we spend 30 minutes a week um, praying for the unreached and also praying for our friends that are overseas um, or actively trying to engage the unreached. Um, we pray through the 15, we call it Priority 15 people groups, and there's actually a couple in this room that are in two of the uh, or engaging two of the groups, um, and we're actively praying for their families. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a joy to get to see their faces. My heart loves them more than they know, I think. Um, and so, oh, no, it went away. Um, and so, yes, question. Uh, where is uh, the priority Where is, like, the people groups? I don't know. This is February 25th. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This year it's going to be in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, so it's totally free. You just got to get to Birmingham, um, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be great. So, um, if you're a student, there are like some scholarships and that kind of stuff. If you're like making money, then sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, so priority one five dot org is uh, you can sign up for it there. And um, so seriously, guys, if you came to this session. This is for you, okay? Um, it's like a group of 200 of us. Uh, almost all of us come to go GMHC, but we really focus in on actually forming teams together to go to these places. Um, and there's people that are in these places because of this group, okay? Specifically the two people I'm thinking of right now, like uh, at least one of them I know for sure heard about these groups through this group. Um, there's a lot of groups, but um, okay. So... Um, there you go. So, so if you want to join the Goer Cohort, um, just pull out your, e- your phone right now. Email goercohort at gmail.com. And then don't forget the priority uh, 15. Um, and wow, it's like really good timing. Praise God, this is a miracle. All right. Cool. Praise the Lord.